stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. streaming live soon. Good morning. This is a time uh, of communion, and I have a word for you today. But first of all, I want to uh, let you know that uh, RBM uh, is keeping distancing. Uh, uh, all of us have our masks on, and uh, uh, including uh, our Bible teacher and. Uh, And we are uh, actually uh, going to pray today and give you communion. 
Heavenly Father, we approach this holy hour in which we take our communion. We remember uh, your death and, and your sacrifice to us. And so we, we lift our hands, O oh God, to say to you how grateful we are that we have the privilege of, of, of express our faith in a free country and say to you how much we love you. And when the hour was come, he sat down in the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, What I desire, with, a, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. He took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. God, we thank you, Lord, this morning that through your blood, through your suffering, through your death, we're able to conquer, God, condemnation, anxiety, turmoil, doubts, fears, because we are assured and committed and completely given to the idea that through Christ Jesus death on the cross and His resurrection, we are victorious through Him who strengthens for every single day. We ask You to remove from us this morning doubts and fears as Your power, Your strength, Your anointing continue to not only protect us, but continue to mark our house with the precious blood of the Lamb. Protect us, God, from the angel of death. Protect us, Lord, from every, everything that is uh, uh, contrary to your will in our lives. And as we begin the day today, Lord, we rest in you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of God. You take communion, please. Oh God. Oh, your mercy never failed me. All my days I've been held in your hand. Oh God, I thank you for this morning, Lord. Lord, I ask you to strengthen me for that which is ahead. Lord, I, I want this strength and this anointing to continue as I continue to serve you. I pray this prayer for those that are sitting here this morning. There are five of us, oh God. Strengthen us, Lord, in our inner being. To every day do that which is in front of us. God, without your strength, we're not able to do this. 
Thank you. Thank you for your provision, for your sufficiency, for your watching over us in the midst of the battle. And God, this morning, I pray for those in New York City. God, I never thought I'd pray for people that live in Manhattan. But, oh God, they are, they are dying. I pray, God, for the hot spots in America with the coronavirus. I pray, God, for New York City, Washington, California, Georgia, Detroit, New Orleans. Oh, Heavenly Father. I pray, God, that you bless me, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit of God. Come, Holy Spirit of God. Come, Holy Spirit of God. Come, God. Come, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, I pray, God, for, for the, the, the hospitals. I pray for the doctors. I pray for the health care givers, Lord. Many of them also die of contamination. But God, spare them, God, that give their lives to save others. Father, we pray for Peru and Bishop Samuel and his staff. We're heading there in September, Lord. We pray for Brazil, Sally, Felipe, Alanir, Silvana, Talita, Monica, Jr., as they cook, Lord, for so many people today. Pray for President Bolsonaro in Brazil. I pray for Cuba, God, for Bishop Pereira, Margarita, and all the churches in Cuba who are under the oppression of a communist regime. I pray, God, that you heal Cuba, you send your Holy Spirit on Cuba, and de- de- deliver every single leader, every single person that has an oppressive spirit. Father, I pray for our staff. You know, God, that uh, continue to pray for Mary Lucy and that you heal her and give her strength today. Pray for Rick Jr., Laura Harrison, Mary Jane, Sammy and Cindy, Lucia Grace, Sophie and Anna Craft. I pray for Sandy and Tom and Owen and Noah and Angelina. I pray for Betty and Ryan, the new baby coming up, oh God. Put your hands on that baby, Lord. We pray for John and Tara and Jason, and Alice and Liana. We pray for Cindy and John and Frankie and Frankie and their families. I pray for Kathy, for Mike and Tammy and Bill and Brian. God bless this family. We pray for Matt and Blythe Woods and Will and Ara and all the Follocks. I pray for young Kim and Heidi, Heidi and Jason and Karen and the boys. And Lord, I pray for Cindy, for Rose, for Allison, for Sandra. I pray for the Odeon family this morning, O oh God, that you come with your healing presence and deliver them from everything that is harmful. Oh, God, I pray, God, that we'll be able to handle our changes in the office. God, give us wisdom on how to do it, Lord. Send a spirit of wisdom, God, and a spirit of uh, understanding so we're able to get that job done that is so difficult to come. We pray for Brazil, Lord, and specifically, Lord, we pray that uh, we'll be able to deal with Andrea and Celio. But in Brazil, God, I pray for Felipe as he's the new manager of God. 
buying food. I pray for Kathy as she takes her time of rest and returns to be with the children, God. Father God, I pray for the publication of our book in Spanish. God, open the doors for us to finish that project, Lord. In Jesus' name, God, we ask you to help us in the, in the books in Portuguese, Lord, praying with accuracy. God, I pray, God, specifically this morning, for my brother Andy. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit of God, amen. I want to share with you today from the book of John. So I want you to open your Bible in chapter 6. John chapter 6. And when evening was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. It was dark, and Jesus was not come with to them. And the sea arose by the reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the ship, and they were afraid. But he said unto them, It is I. Be not afraid. Then they willingly receive him into the ship. And immediately the ship was at the land where they went. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. I want to share with you about... Uh, oh, God, have mercy on me. I want to share with you about uh, this passage. It says in the beginning, When evening was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea. And of course, it doesn't say if they went willingly, but Jesus uh, told them to go. And I want to call your attention to Matthew 14, because this passage is in Matthew and, and of course, is is not in Luke, but it is uh, in, in Matthew and in in, uh, in 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 Mark. In Matthew fourteen twenty two, it says, "And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him to the other side." So this whole month, I've been dealing with the prophetic in the book of John. What I mean by the prophetic? means that a, a revelation that is not easy to see, subtle in its appearance, 
language in determination in it, accuracy as the rotation of the earth, and insightful to fulfill the will of God. So when you read scriptures and you are looking for the prophetic in it, the problem becomes very, very uh, accentuated because you can read it historically and get an idea of what happened. And you, you got your, your fill on the, uh, on the events that happened. And there's, there's a thousand commentators in each scriptural passage that I'm reading. <coughs> but there are many, many who study the scriptures prophetically. Meaning, the revelation of the, when, the Holy Spirit. When you get into television and you want to see the difference, it's phenomenal. Some are simply going to the ritual of explaining what the Scriptures is saying as the historical event takes place. But others seem to have an insight in them, inside of the Scriptures, that take you deeper into a, a, a very convicting meaning that changes your life. Of course, John six John six sixteen, the first verse says, And when evening was now come, his disciples went down into the sea. If Matthew is correct, a window for the prophetic is opened by our Lord. For in Matthew he commands them to go. Now it's kind of interesting that Matthew will see uh, the Scripture this way. And straight away Jesus constrained them. Meaning, He encouraged them and told them, Get inside of that boat. Constrain means, Do quickly, right away, and do not delay. But as you continue and look at verse 17, They entered the ship and went toward Capernaum. Now it was dark. And the sea arose by the reason of a great wind that blew. As you read uh, that insight, you begin to think inside of you, is there a prophetic vision in this scripture at this moment, as we are on the 18th verse of uh, uh, John 6? Is there a prophetic movement here? Now, the prophetic simply means that the wind caused the water to abhor, not the water abhor, abhor the wind. There's not a problem with the water. There's a problem with the wind. And so the wind is the element that causes. Did our Lord know that the waters would be forced by the wind for it was not the water, it was the wind. Was that, did Jesus knew? So let me, let me say to you, not necessarily. You see, the prophetic moves when God moves. It doesn't give you an indication that something is about to happen. Or it's going to happen. Some people say the prophetic is looking toward the future. Well, the Old Testament is foretelling the future, but the New Testament is foretelling. And the foretelling is a revelation. 
And so the foretelling the future of the of the apostles and the prophets in the Old Testament was to speak of the future and what was to come. But the New Testament is foretelling. You begin to say it, and in the in the in the moment of saying it, it begins to happen. There's a difference. The prophetic is is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So why did Jesus constrain them to go? Where did the wind come from? There is a wind caused by certain situations in the Lake of Galilee. I've told you the story. That the first thing, that first time I ever been to the Lake of Galilee, I, I wanted to know. I wanted to see if that was possible. That day was 15 feet high in a lake so calm and so tender. And so I got to the other side. I give. It's a place where you eat the fish, you know, uh, uh, and have a meal. And I went into their small library, about 30 or 40, 50 books, on a little corner on the floor. And I, and I flipped a little book, and the first thing that I saw was a 15 feet gale of wave, high, photographed at the instance of reaching the peak in the Phoenix. I mean, it was, it was amazing to me. That that same picture taken by the Lake of Galilee would fit into a calm sea as I looked toward it and almost like a glass picturing the heavens through it. It says, And the seas arose by the reason of a great wind. The prophetic sea is simply saying that God has authority over the water. But he generally speaks to the wind. The wind is the force that moved the water, not the water moved the wind. And so if the wind moved the water, then there's something happening with the disciples that has to be dealt by the Lord in a very, very powerful way. The prophetic hides. If you look at it historically, it's about the water. But if you look at it prophetically, it's about the wind. And in terms of understanding scriptures then, is when you begin to read. You know, I told somebody yesterday, I, I buy Bibles. And uh, I told you several times, I've, uh, I give Bibles as a gift to friends and people that we know. It's an expensive gift. And, uh, and this Bible that I referred to uh, has commentaries after the verse as opposed to the NIV that has commentaries at the bottom page of the page. And as I study that, as I look at that, uh, I begin to read the verse and expecting God to reveal something to me. So the translation that I use in the Bible that I use has unbelievable amounts of revelation. Not that uh, the people who uh, wrote it, exercise it, but that it fits my spirit. And as I read it, I am caught into all kinds of areas, like this one. It wasn't the wind, it wasn't the water that moved the people uh, on the boat, it, it was the wind that moved the water. And that's very hard to believe. But the wind in that area, and the wind that comes under the authority of God is much greater 
dim the water. So let me ask you this. Historically, now let me ask you a question. Would you allow, let me say something else. It is not about the circumstance, it's about our hearts. You see, coronavirus is a deadly virus. You can protect yourself all you want to. And you can be exposed to it. But bringing ourselves into our homes and closing the door like we have done this whole week, this whole month, is beginning to change. But also it's leaving a horrible taste in our mouths that from now on, you see, you cannot do anything with your life. You cannot evangelize. You cannot touch people. You cannot come close because social distance has been established as a priority in terms of prayer. So how, how is it that we are going to baptize babies? How is it that we're going to take communion in church? How is it that we're going to sit together with brothers and sisters, uh, five, six hundred, a thousand of them, uh, uh, when social distance is prevailing? How, how, how are you going to handle? You see, circumstances are not the problem. The problem is our hearts. In the world you will have tribulations, and you will have virus. And that's not the first one, that's many to come. It's part of the coming of Jesus. So historically, Jesus was tired of feeding the 5,000. So he went into the mountain to pray prophetically. Now, when he went to the mountain to pray, the act of the prayer that Jesus prayed must affected the events that are about to take place. Now, that is prophetically and historically. Meaning, that when Jesus went to pray, God began to do what He wanted to do. Does the wind respect the voice of God? Does the wind and the sea and the waves create its own mind? Who is in charge of the waves of the sea? Who is in charge of the power of, of, of the wind? So historically, Jesus is tired. He went into the mountain to pray because he had just fed close to 10,000 people. The opportunity to disciple the man of God that was with him uh, was very, very strong. So, the disciples in Matthew six forty-nine, Jesus came in the water as a ghost. Verse... Uh, Verse 19 says, For they had rowed about five or twenty or thirty furlongs, which is about three miles. Uh, uh, they were in the middle of the Lake of Galilee. It's six miles across, uh, 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 14 miles long, or, or 15 miles long, 16 miles long. But it's, 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 it's four miles across at the top of the lake. The, the position of Bethsaida is on the right, Chorazin in the middle, Bethesda is on the left, forming a triangle. Why in the middle? 
Why not at the beginning? Why not at the end? Because you see, when the prophetic takes place, when the hand of God puts His hand... Now remember this, Jesus came into prayer. Now how long does it take to get to the middle of the lake on a small boat rowing by hand? If you look in the accounts of, uh, of that incident in Mark and in, and in Luke, you've got to find out that there were several hours. They were three or three or four hours rowing that small boat with about uh, the disciples in it. They were slowly gaining to get to the other side. And so in the middle of the most unsecure place, in the midst, and it, it, is the, it happens this way. Because God interferes us with our plans, and He begins to operate in us when we least expect. I, I told you about uh, this week. I've been praying the Lord will just take care of the finances. And it happens that this month, He's taken care by Tuesday. When in fact... Before uh, the month of March started, it's always on Friday. Why is God giving me a signal to pay the budget on Tuesday, meaning I had a Friday? Why is this hurry? It's because He's telling me not to worry about a penny, not to worry about a single thing about finances. He will provide for the families who operate in this ministry, and I'm not going to spend time fearing. I do not want to get involved in fear of any kind. How do I believe so strongly? It's because I believe the prophetic, the revelation of God, to, to call things that be not as though they were, is part of my faith. I want to live in the edge of faith to where I, I can speak that which God is saying to me. So if you're around me, and God speaks to me, I'll bless you. And when I speak to you, I make it stick. God makes it stick. It's not that I can bless you. The prophetic in me can be very powerful. All of us are this way, not just me. Jesus came walking in the water like a ghost. Mark says, they cried out thinking it was a ghost. Meaning they were afraid. Fear of the holy is an indication of knowledge in its early form. See, you can be afraid of finances. You can be afraid of, uh, of illnesses. You can be a, and you can get killed in the first intersection when you turn left. In other words, if you're not attentive to your driving, uh, uh, you can. A lot of people uh, smoke. They go to heaven, but they go a little earlier. A lot of people drive fast, and God receives them for they're going 85 miles an hour on a 35 miles zone. But with God, the steps of a man are order of righteous men is order of the Lord. And so there is a, a, an idea that under the prophetic hand of God, you don't drive 85. You are, you are, you are under an anointing, a presence. And, and it conquers all fears. Because if you live on fear of finances, fear of failure, you will never make it. There's no money that will satisfy you. You're constantly thinking that you're going to die broke in a nursing home full of tubes. God, God, God has a plan for your life. 
He can bring you to heaven very quickly. Just with a power, just one, two, three, then you're gone. We're simply, we are simply peanut shells inside of a pool. Imagine a large pool with 50,000 gallons of water in a little small casket of a peanut just bouncing back and forth. So the disciples were in that situation in the middle of the lake. They were uh, helpless. Everything around them moved. The, 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 the gales, the, the, the waves were up and down. And I don't know if you know this, but if you're going uh, from the west to the east, east to the west, you have, and the wind comes from the north to the south, you have to, <laughs> you have to put your ship in a situation to where you face the wind. But the Bible says the wind came from the north to the south. That's the way the wind operates because the left side of that, of that lake is the Golan Heights. And there's no wind that comes from the east. Or from the north or from the west. From the west is again, and I believe it was from the west because the Bible says the wind was contrary. I don't know which one it was, but it was contrary. What do you mean by contrary? It means that they couldn't get to where they're supposed to go, and they were trapped rowing that boat in a way that they were going the opposite way. You have to turn the boat against the wind and against the waves, so you're a match. But uh, were they in a certain form? You see, when God is involved with our situation, you can't tell where the wind comes from or where it does it. It blows the way He wants at any time. And you have no choice but allow God to speak to you and remove the fear and the anxiety and the turmoil. Are you hearing this? Fear is also the beginning of understanding. You win against fear when you are put to test of your faith. They were in the midst of the northern part of the lake. And Jesus says to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. I want to stop here because I still got a whole page of scriptures. But Abraham in Genesis 17, when God told him what to do, he fell to his face. When Jacob confronted the Lord, he saw the first time. I'm sure he was afraid, but he trusted God with his offerings to his brother. When Joshua was facing a major decision, he spoke the famous words in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, there is a posture that you must form within yourself. And it's not a posture that you just put it on and put it out. Let's say you're in bed and you've got the coronavirus. Put your trust in God. Put your trust in Jesus. Ask Him to intervene, but do not be afraid. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this morning. Thank You for this word in Jesus' name. Amen. See you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.latterain.com for more teachings. See you next time.
Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.lateran.com for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.lateran.com for more teaching.